Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learned something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. Happy Friday, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Chantelle Rowe, Vice President of Product at Topia. Topia is a talent mobility platform that enables organizations to deliver mobility as part of a broader talent strategy, encompassing all types of employee movement. Thank you for joining me today, Chantelle. Yeah, no problems at all. Excited to be here. I'm excited for you to be here too. This episode is actually part of HR Daily Advisors, HR Management and Compliance Week. So our conversation is going to focus on that aspect when companies pursue global expansion. So in spite of economic uncertainty, 82% of businesses are planning to expand into new locations this year. The first thing I wanted to ask you was, what risks do you advise companies to keep an eye out for as they expand? Yeah, good question. Um, And I think before I dive in, it's worth noting that I think expansion can actually mean two things. Yes, your statistic I'm guessing is about companies actually intending to expand into a new location, which we naturally think about as opening a new office and sending in a landing team, hiring a few people locally to kick things off. Uh, And this normally starts, you know, long before you actually have a formal office and and a logo on the door. But I think one thing we're increasingly seeing as well is companies could be seen to be expanding into a new location without even knowing it. With the kind of location freedom that we're seeing a push, you know, towards remote work and things like that has given, companies are finding themselves with a corporate presence and responsibilities from kind of a legal perspective and others in all kinds of states and countries through the presence of their employees working there that they never intended to, you know, go and start up an office there. This can actually mean two things, intentional expansion and actually inadvertent expansion. But with that in mind, let's talk about risks. So I think some are obvious, like immigration and taxes. I like to think that if someone's working in a new location or a company opens a new office and they take someone over there, even if they're not an immigration lawyer or a tax lawyer, someone in the company thinks, hey, we should probably check if these people need visas or we probably need to register with some form of government authority to pay taxes here. And it might be a manual mess to handle that risk or whatever, but at least someone thinks about it. I think some of the really interesting ones that I like to talk to customers about that are super nuanced are particularly things to deal with employment law and corporate tax law and social security. So things like, and these are some of the stories we've seen from our customers, things around, for example, employment law, requirements around mandatory medical coverage, maternity pay, termination rights, hiring practices. The fact that you could have someone, say, from the U.S., where they could find themselves, for example, legally entitled to the provisions and protections of Italian or French or another kind of far more favorable uh, employment law, and therefore, you know, become entitled to a year's paid maternity pay or six months kind of termination pay for the time that they've been working in the company, just because of time spent working in a certain location. I think that's really interesting. Things like minimum salary requirements in another location or, you know, we're seeing the new salary transparency rules in the U.S., which companies may not think about if they start to send people into the U.S. from, say, a European company. They're not potentially keeping up to date with these laws and understanding that that may put them in the scope of these new rules. Russia makes you receive a certain minimum amount of pay in their currency, in the ruble. And we've just seen, for example, Quebec Bill 96 passed recently, which is around ensuring the preservation of French language in Quebec, meaning that companies with 25 or more employees operating there actually need to operate their company in French. 
and report to the government on the progressing the practices they're doing to protect the French language in their business. So all of these little things, and again, going back to this, it could be deliberate or completely inadvertent. All of these little things can trip companies up so quickly when you don't even think about potentially the language of your business changing just because you may send a landing team into a new location. Right. And like you said, there are the national laws that you have to consider and the nuances there. And then at every level that you get smaller, more local, like Colorado's laws are different from Connecticut's laws and some regions are different than other regions. And then if there are any sort of town ordinances too. Exactly. I mean, New York City has a whole bunch just in itself. Yeah, it adds a lot of complication and a lot to be cognizant about. So with the acknowledgement of those risks, for businesses expanding on an international scale, do you have any advice or best practices to ensure compliance? Yeah, so I'd say three kind of top tips. I think first and foremost, start with understanding where and how employees are working globally both personally and from a business perspective. How are they being deployed? How are they traveling to a new location? I like to think that the most obvious case is going to be some board of people decides to go into a new location as a, as a corporate initiative, and it's very transparent and very visible. But probably what's happening is a whole bunch of, as I said before, shadow expansion or shadow travel into new locations. The HR just doesn't have the visibility over So understanding how global mobility is actually happening and how the workforce is being distributed around the world from a business perspective, but also how employees may be using, for example, remote work and things like that to go international. I think that's step one, for sure. Step two is then using that information to work with your corporate tax, immigration, legal teams, payroll teams to identify what the biggest issues are the realm of risks that a company can go into and the burden of kind of being 100% compliant in every single way, shape or form with every law is huge. And so starting with, okay, what are our biggest problems? Is it remote workers from the US holidaying in Mexico? Is it interstate US travel? So we have a bunch of people jumping on planes now that travel's open again and flying around the US selling to customers around the US. Are we seeing landing teams, you know, as the business sending landing teams into new locations and saying, hey, you three, go and spend a couple of months in Singapore, suss it out, start talking to the market, see what you think, uh, whether this is a new market for us. So work with your teams to work out where your biggest problems actually are and start to tackle those and try and do everything from tax to legal to immigration all at once. And then I think is lastly, with that in mind and knowing where the biggest problems are, look for solutions and partners that can start with these things that you need to tackle. Don't try and cover everything at once, but make sure that that partner or that tool is going to help you expand into these other areas and support you with more and more problems over time. So you don't end up accumulating a whole bunch of niche point solutions to tackle problem A and tackle B and C, that you will have a partner that can grow with you as you try to get more and more compliant over time. Right. And I feel like technology plays a huge role in there just because as you streamline your people management, you'll also want to streamline what sort of technology or like payroll or any sort of tracking you have kind of goes with that. So in that regard, what role in your opinion does technology play in compliance efforts? I'm obviously a little biased. I am VP of product at a technology company handling this, (laughs) but I will say with that aside, I'd still even say that technology is everything. I mean, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, no company has the resources to throw people at these problems. Purely managing the, where are my employees? Are they compliant? What do the rules say? What do I have to file? Where are we putting in place processes and tracking and all this kind of stuff is, is just massively overwhelming. 
and nobody has the bodies to throw at a problem like that um, now or, or in the future. But secondly, neither should you. I mean, there is now great technology out there that automates this, that has immigration engines to automatically get assessments for whether your employees need visas or paperwork to go to a new location. There are tax calculation engines. There are risk assessment engines for sending people into new locations that will tell you if this person's going to trigger a problem for you and exactly what you need to do for that. There are really easy ways of following your employees' travel or, or their location and where they're working. And I think we're seeing employees also embrace this kind of technology as part of ensuring compliance for the company. So we launched our ADAPT survey last year. And one of the questions we asked employees was, are you comfortable with your employer knowing your location? And obviously this was in the middle of work from home and COVID and whatever. Everyone was kind of snuck in one location. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But are you comfortable with your employer knowing where you're working, even at a city level, not an address level, but at a city level, are you comfortable with them knowing where you are for compliance purposes? And it actually surprised me that 91% of those people said that they are comfortable with being tracked for the right reasons. That was actually way higher than I would have thought when you ask employee, a whole bunch of employees, are they comfortable being tracked by their employer? But 91% said, yeah, fine. If it's for the right reasons, I'm happy with you knowing where I'm working. So not only is I think, do I think technology facilitates not only efficiency and compliance and scalability, but it's an almost an expected part and expectation by employees now that technology will play an important part of how they operate with their employer. For sure. And as much as technology helps in like smoothing out any sort of like compliance issues between um, employees and the company, transparency plays a huge role too. So do you have any advice for employers like bringing the understanding of compliance to their workers so that every new step that they add to a process makes more sense? Totally. And I think the key from that stat previously was I'm comfortable provided it's for the right reasons. Therefore, I have to understand what that reason is. And I think there's a big, big, big part to company compliance, which is just about educating employees. Employees, we see the more that we empower them, the more we give them the power of their own choices and information to help them understand why certain choices need to be made, the more they step up. No one wants to get themselves or their employer into trouble. So knowing that or, or just understanding that a company isn't trying to be restrictive or overbearing when saying you can't go somewhere or you can't just jump on that plane and, and visit that customer, etc. You can't just hire that amazing candidate who's in this location that you know fulfills all of your wildest dreams and understand why certain rules are in place is absolutely critical. And one of our statistics off the same survey showed that when we asked employees what they thought of their employer's remote work policy that was brought in kind of as people were returning to office and things like that, 48% of employees said they think their employer's remote work policy is just in place to make requests easier to reject which I think showed actually how disconnected or what happens when you don't involve training and employee empowerment in compliance. Employees think you're just trying to lock me down. You just want me chained to my office all day and my desk. When it was actually the opposite, you know, most companies were putting in place rules because, hey, guess what? You can't go and work from Costa Rica for six months without a work permit. Like that's, you're getting yourself in trouble. You're getting us in trouble and we need to put certain rules and, and processes in place. So when you do empower employees, that statistic is going to change and you're going to transform those employees into employees who want to help you be compliant and are happy to give you the information needed to do so. Exactly. And you had brought up how, from a compliance standpoint, working remotely in, in Mexico or Costa Rica isn't exactly like a vacation, so that's how you can run into issues. 
So how should companies handle visas and immigration regulations and all the myriad of other laws when embracing global expansion? Yeah, good question. So I think there are three layers. And the first two really start with way before you've even thought about applying for a visa. I think the first and foremost point is to make sure that you have the data and processes in place to capture information around travel. You could have the most amazing immigration lawyer in the world who turns around visas super quickly. They're super on top of all the rules and regulations. If you don't know that your employee is traveling in the first place or that they're actually working remotely from another location, that doesn't matter. So having the processes in place to, um, as part of your approval processes, your global travel booking processes, your remote work policies, know in advance when travel is happening, the purpose of the trip, who is traveling, what citizenships they have, is first and foremost, probably the hardest part of the entire process. Then secondly, there's now a lot, um, Topia included, but a lot of tools on the market as well, around automating immigration risk assessments. So the first question you're going to have, and you don't necessarily want to go to a lawyer for this and pay you know, professional fees to get this answer, but do I even need a work permit? Is there some form of exemption or remote work visa or a business travel exemption if your days are under X amount of days? And these tools which allow you to quickly come in and say, you know, as part of your travel booking process, can you travel visa-free? Do you just need an online registration? Do you need a full-blown work permit? Can you not travel because it's banned? Kind of a green, yellow, red assessment as part of that will help automatically filter out, firstly, trips that shouldn't go ahead, right? There's a better candidate, limit the duration of the trip to come under those rules so that you can get on the ground faster. Maybe there's a different location that that meeting can happen that doesn't necessarily need immigration approval. So it allows for better decision-making around whether the trip should go ahead or not, but it means you don't have to go and incur that time and legal fee costs in order to get that decision. And then thirdly, of course, you know, when you do need to put that person on the ground and that person does need paperwork, having great integrations with your network of immigration providers so that you can quickly say, yep, we need to get a visa. The data that you have from your travel systems, your HR systems is going and flowing over to those providers. And then you've equally got that information coming back to you, those visa stamps, those approvals, so that you under audit can also show that you're doing all the right things as well. That's really good advice. Thanks. (laughs) And I actually have one final question for you. My favorite way to close is to ask you what you're looking forward to this weekend. Oh, okay. So I've been an expat for about the last 18 years or so in my career. And currently I'm in Estonia. So I've been here for about four years um, and I'm very much embracing the Estonian life and culture. And as part of that, I recently bought a half-built log cabin in the Estonian kind of middle of nowhere. Like this place doesn't even have an address. It's so remote. And every weekend I am finishing and renovating and building that. So I'm learning all kinds of things every weekend from culturally being in another country, from managing the fact that there is bears on my property, which I found bear scratches the other day. So there are bears Oh God! and what that means. Managing things like restoring old wood with moss and traditional techniques, negotiating with plumbers who don't speak English and I don't speak Estonian as of yet. So all kinds of adventures. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what this weekend brings in store for me. I was going to say, I hope at the very least it doesn't bring you any bears, but (laughs) that sounds so cool. That's really exciting. Thank you. And Chantel, thank you so much for hopping on this call with me. It's really been a pleasure to be able to speak with you about everything management and compliance and global expansion. No worries. I hope we made compliance fun. 
I definitely think we did. I had a good time talking to you at the very least. So that's one win, at least. <laughs> <laughs>